0: Hi, how, how are you doing? I'm having conversations with people in the front row, and it's like crazy. Uh, if you are young married, uh, we would invite you, like younger and you're married, or maybe getting married hitched soon, uh, we are starting a new small group for you guys. So out where they're talking about the small group sign-up table, go out there, sign up for that. We're going to have a kickoff barbecue on May 1st for it, so you get to come. We'll, we'll feed you food. You get to know some other people. It's at uh, Becky and Caleb's house. Say hi, Becky. There's Becky. Hello with their cool little hat on in the back. So yeah, there has to be a lot of fun. So if you're, if you're young married or you're getting married soon, uh, sign up for that and, and come to the barbecue. And they can be like, these people are so weird, I'm never going back. But, you know, th- cool, at least you'll know what we're like. Uh, if you are new uh, this morning and you don't, didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one in the back right there. If you don't own one, you can keep one. Uh, if you forgot one, you can just use one for the morning. And then on all the communion tables around the room, there are sermon notes because I talk really fast and there's a lot of information today. So we're just going to jump in because apparently I didn't realize it was as long as it was last service. So sorry for you. Yeah, it's going to be wonderful. Why don't you guys stand there you read to God's Word. It says Psalm 81, verses 11 to 14, and it says this. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. If my people would but listen to me, if Israel would follow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes? Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that we would be a people uh, who are those who turn to you and love you and follow you. That as we place ourselves in your hands, we would learn to uh, submit to you in all the ways of our lives that you are honored and that you are glorified. Help us to truly be your children living so the world can know who you are through our actions. Amen. Have a seat. If you have a Bible, you can open to Ephesians chapter 5. I'll tell you, uh, if you've been here through any of the book of Ephesians or, or have missed part of it, I'll just give you a quick little recap of what I said. The first three chapters of Ephesians are all about theology. It's all about who God is, what God has done, and what that means to us. The last three chapters of Ephesians are all about practically living that out in our lives. Because this is who God is, how do we then live that out? Uh, there are, if you go to like seminary or a Christian school, you'll probably learn two terms. One's called orthodoxy and one's called orthopraxy. Orthodoxy simply means right beliefs, uh, right, right, right ways about who God is, right thinking. And orthopraxy means right living. Okay, right living. Uh, and if you go to most Christian bookstores today, you'll find a lot of books on orthopraxy, how to correctly live your life. And so a lot of people get very involved in that, but if we do not know who God is, if we don't have any orthodoxy, then all of a sudden all this right living simply becomes religion, and it doesn't become because of a relationship. So we must be a people who do both of what Paul does, we learn who God is and what he has done, and that then translates into our lives. This is very important for what we study today, because we realize who God is, and that God has created us, and that God has made us a certain way, so that we are then to live a certain way. Uh, I love going through the Bible verse by verse because it makes me cover things that most sane men would run from during the course of normal conversation. Ephesians 5 is no different about that. After Ephesians, we'll hit the book of Esther. I guarantee you'll love that. This morning, you may hate this. So it's great. Next week, we have plenty of extra seats. If you ever go to the back and there's no food left, we may actually have food left next week, depending on how this goes. Uh, Ephesians 5 today deals with marriage roles of husbands and wives and I tell you what I tell you today because I love you uh, I am not a bigot I am not a sexist I'm not a woman hater it's in the Bible so you have to deal with what it says and so listen to my whole message how much the whole message before you freak out and run out the door let's do the whole thing it's important and we also must not confuse principles and methods principles are all throughout scripture it's like love your neighbor that's the principle that's what God calls us to and then the method is how we live that out some of you may mow your neighbor's lawn may watch their kids may do something you know the, the practically living that out that method is wide and varied but the principle is love your neighbor so here are the principles Today, uh, everybody in our culture is talking about marriage and rights and gender roles and men and women. And with all the talk about marriage, you think the family would be doing really, really well. But it's not. Half of marriages end up in divorce. 40% of kids go to bed without a father in the home today. The cohabitation rate in our country has shot up 200% in the last 20 years. And people who call themselves Christians look just like everybody else, and we should be living differently. We should be offering hope of what a life lived following God should actually look like. Life of the hope, not judgment. So, this morning we hit Ephesians 5.22. This is uh, one of the least loved and most disputed sections in Scripture, and I love it! And I hope you do too. If this is your first time here, <laughs> good for you. What a week! God brought you here for a reason. I don't know what it is, but here go. Uh, So Ephesians 5.22, ladies, this is your favorite verse. Okay, this is like your life verse. You, you got it on your mirror every morning. You write it in lipstick because you love it. You sing songs with nothing but this as the chorus. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And it gets all quiet. No amens, what? Yeah, a lady says amen. It's funny. A dude says amen. He should be sleeping on the couch for like a week or something. People think at Element we're hip and cool. Not so much. We're just old-fashioned. Wives, submit to your husbands. You know what that means? There are wives and husbands, and wives should submit to their husbands. It's like a crazy interpretation. Like, where would you get that from? Well, it's it's just kind of right there. It means that there are husbands, and that there are wives, and that wives should submit to their husbands. Now, don't run out of here freaking out yet, okay? Uh, it, this does not mean that women should submit to men in general. It says wives and husbands. This is relationship. It's relationship. A man can't walk up to any woman off the street and say, Hey, make me a hot pocket and a husband shouldn't do that to his wife either men aren't the head of women in general it is wives and husbands and I I am not saying that women are inferior to men because any man is honest we know that we are superior in very little in very little Uh, men are very aware of their own shortcomings men and women are equal we are equal because of creation God made us equal but we are different it is like left hand and right hand it is uh, collaboration and cooperation it's like my right hand is my dominant hand, and I can write my name with my right hand. You put it in my left hand and be like, "Oh, I can't write anything. It just looks terrible." Uh, it, it's like when I play the guitar. My dominant hand, when I play the guitar, simply just strums. It's my left hand that makes all the notes and all the chords and everything. It is collaboration and cooperation it is left hand and right hand it is not dominated versus control it is not good versus bad it is left hand and right hand different working together in marriages wives should yield to submit to follow the leadership of their husbands now many women say but you don't know my husband he's like three steps back in the evolutionary chart and he is in process all right, well, I'll talk to them in just a moment. We'll get there, trust me. We'll get to those guys. But in the culture of Paul's day, women weren't allowed to vote. They couldn't own land. They couldn't testify in court. Most were barred from higher education. And most men would have, have sex with lots of women, and then they would get a little bit older, and then they'd marry a very young woman, and then he would have legitimate offspring through this one woman. Now, the problem is you have these people, and they are coming to know Christ. They're, they're coming into uh, a, some type of church setting with other believers, and they're starting to believe. And so they come in and they get, and women are told, You are equal with your husband. Men and women were created equal. And so they start to hear this and they start to become very bitter because it's like, Well, I was told I just had to marry him. Now I've got to have these kids. And she starts to get very, very bitter. Even if the husband's trying to start doing life correctly, you're still in the middle of this culture and they get very bitter. And so what do you do with these people? Wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. It does not mean slave, it does not mean you get to be abused. It means like Jesus. It means like Jesus. Most women do submit to their husbands, but only where they agree or find it convenient. It's like, I'll yield if I agree. That is not submitting. So what Paul does is he actually takes it to Jesus. In verse 24, he says, Now as a church submits to Christ, so wives also should submit to their husbands in everything. Now I wonder what that means. Oh my, what, what is that word? It's clear. That's what troubles us. It's so clear. You know, it says this in Titus chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 11, Colossians chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 3. It says this over and over. It means that a wife cannot pick and choose where she will journey with her husband to. You know, uh, and where, like, I'll go here, but I'm not going to go there. They journey where their husbands go because you're doing life together. Now, if the husband's in sin or something like that, then that's a totally different matter. It's like if he says, we're going to go to the strip club or like a country western music concert, you know, then you say, no, we're not going. That's sin. Aaron says so. Verse 23, it says, For the husband is, this is not could be or should be or might be, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ. So he points it again back to Jesus. So a husband's calling is a very high calling, uh, is the head of the wife as Christ, is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. So we do not get to vote whether Jesus gets to be in charge. Jesus simply is in charge of his church. As Jesus is the head of the church, so a husband is the head of the home and Christians spend too much time arguing about if he should be when he simply is. This means before God, husbands are accountable before God for their family, for their wives. That is a hard and a tough calling. When God looks at you and goes, why were you such a knucklehead? Like, "I, I, I don't know. The question, is not, or the question is, is he a good husband who is like Jesus, or is he a bad husband who is not like Jesus? Head does not mean boss. You don't get to boss your wife around. It's not employer and employee. It means like Christ. Jesus has a bride. It is called the church. A husband has a bride. It is called his wife. They are to treat the bride like Christ treats the church. And most women only have a problem with submit or headship if the husband does not look like Jesus. At the very least, what this means is that men should pursue their wives. Jesus doesn't sit back and wait for us. He pursues us. He comes after us. He pursues a relationship. So a husband must be relentlessly committed to a relationship with his wife. For men, this means you always go first. If there is repentance, you go first. If there is reconciliation, you must go first. If there is work to get done, you must go first. Headship means that the man is responsible for things that many times are not even his fault. You know, it's, it's like this. If I sin, whose fault is it that I sin? Mine. It's, it's mine. In case you didn't know, it's mine. But does Jesus make me work it off or does Jesus involve himself into my life to take care of my sin? All right, Jesus dies for my sin. A man is not only to initiate, but where there is sin and separation and division, he redeems. A man is supposed to reconcile. A man cannot look at his wife and say, you screwed up, you fix it. A man is not to be like Adam who gets bitter and blames his wife. And whether it's not at your fault, many times it is your responsibility. It is why Jesus comes to us in our times of great need. It's the same way in a marriage. If a wife is in sin or she is struggling with something, her husband should make great haste to rescue her and redeem her. And he could even maybe suffer and die to make sure that she is forgiven and that she is loved. That is what it means to be the head. It is a man's privilege. So when a wife thinks of her husband, she thinks of Jesus. It's like, well, God loves me. And my husband loves me. God forgives me. My husband forgives me. God pursues me. My husband pursues me. God is involved in my life. My husband is involved in my life. Jesus died for me. My husband would die for me. Husbands are the head of their wife. It is not chauvinism. It is the essence of humility. And most women, again, only struggle with submit or head if their husbands don't look like Jesus. Okay? So that's the word of the wives. Here's the word of the husbands. Uh, if you, guys, if your wife brought the Bible this morning, look at it. Okay, verse 25 says this. Husbands, what's the word? Love. Love, 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 love. Say, dudes, say it with me. Love. love. Say it like Love. <laughs> okay, okay. Husbands, love. Love your wives. Most women like that. that oh, love. That, that's, that's a good word. You know, women like to be loved. It's crazy. And it works every single time. You go to a Hallmark store. Who's is it, usually the dudes or the ladies inside reading the cards crying? It's the ladies. It's the ladies. So I'll, I'll tell you a story. Um, a few years ago, I had this small group in, in my house, and my wife went with some of her friends, and they watched this movie called The Notebook. Okay. Oh, yeah. And so my my small group gets over. My wife comes home. And she sits next to me on the couch, and she's like, <gasps> <laughs> and I'm like, what? I go. Well she goes. Yeah, it's a notebook and a guy and a girl. I don't know. It's just kind of. Phew. I'm like glad I didn't see it, you know? Because she's like, because oh, because my wife really doesn't cry at a whole lot, and she was like totally. I'm like wow so we go to bed right we're laying in bed she holds my hand and she's like (gasps) and I'm like holy cow Uh, you should really see it I'm like no I don't need to see this movie at all (laughs) women are natural receivers of love they are and only women who have been abused usually have a hard time receiving love when it says love it includes emotions I can tell you about our first date I really you know and all the emotions that went with that but love is also action In in referring to God, Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love compels God to act. Love accomplishes things. God's love is powerful. It reconciles. It restores. It changes people. And his husband's love is not simply because his wife is lovely. He loves so that she becomes more lovely the more that he loves her. It's like when we love Jesus, we don't start off all that lovely. We start pretty nasty, and yet Jesus loves us, and we become lovely. For men, this means for your wives or your future wives, if you don't have one, you must figure out how to love your wife specifically. Okay? There is a book that's out. I'd recommend it to all of you. It's called The Five Love Languages. You should read it because every woman is a little bit different. You know, one woman, you walk up and you give her some flowers and she cries like she won a beauty contest. You know, to another woman and she gets hay fever and sneezes and it's terrible. Women are not rock and roll. They're not 4-4. Women are like jazz. Okay, women are jazz. They're creative. They're bizarre. you be like, oh, but my wife's so fickle. No, your wife's not fickle. Your, your wife is created by God that way so it makes you continue to pursue her. She's a challenge and that's a good thing. So I'm going to give you the the five, these are the five things out of the five love languages. I'll give them to you because everybody is is made a little bit different. So you want women and men want to be loved a little bit differently. So guys, this is mainly for you, but girls listen to it as well. The first one of the five love languages is touch, is touch. Some women love touch, cuddle, back rub, brush their hair, hold their hands. You know, some ladies, if your husband, you know, hasn't touched you all day, you're like, oh, I'm so unloved. Our marriage is terrible. He hasn't touched me all day or something like that. I, I like it when it rains because my wife gets cooped up in the house with me, and I gotta chase her around. She can't get away. It's wonderful. You know? <laughs> Ladies, uh, of you who who likes to go get your hair cut, and you go to that place, and they put your head in the magic sink where the where the neck hole's cut out, and you're like boom, and they wash your hair, and you're like, oh. right? Any, anybody like that? There you go. Husbands buy your wife a magic sink, and <laughs> for Christmas. There you go. Okay, touch, the second one's called time. It, it's time, where it's like evenings, uh, weekends, vacations, time together. Some of your wives really enjoy time with you, so you find ways. Make a date night and go spend time with them. The next one is service, where you run an errand for them, or you do something for them. Just on Thursday night, it was 8.30 at night. My wife had class in a rare grande on Friday, and she says, she goes, um, can, can we go get a donut for my teacher? Because when he's really happy, he lets us go early. And I go, Okay, so we hop in the car, 8.30 at night, we go, we go get a donut, and it was like end of the evening, so I bought one, they gave me three, it was like amazing. Uh, and so we get back in the car, and she, and she goes, let's, let's go to McDonald's and, I want, and get an ice cream cone, and I go, okay, and she goes, but I'm not going to get one if you don't get one, and I go, okay. You know, so I go, and I get an ice cream cone, we're driving home, and, and I look at her, and I go, I go, how am I doing? And she's all, what do you mean? And I go, do you feel loved? And she goes, is that why you're doing this? <laughs> And I go, no, no. I just want to make sure I'm doing a good job. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to make sure I'm doing a good job. Cause I'm really... she goes, you're doing fine. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I'll tell you another, you're at 11 o'clock, so there's no one after you. You don't got to hurry out here. So I'll tell you another story. Um, <laughs> when my wife and I first got married, I, I did not know how to love her or be a, a good husband. But we've been married about five or six years. And, and one day she's nice to me, like she always is. And I look at her and I go, what can I do for you? And she goes, help me clean the house. And I go, what does that mean? Do I get a nozzle on the spray thing outside and spray on that? What does clean the house mean? She goes, well, help clean the house. And I go, I'm a guy. I need a list. Oh, list. Okay. So she tells me she wants me to vacuum and empty the dishwasher and clean the bathrooms. So I'm like, got a list. Good. I can do that. And you know what? I became very sexy because I started to do this. And I wish I would have known this the first five years I was married. I'd be like, oh, she's home. (laughs) I've been all over that. All over it. service, service, last service, you, know, you should really see some of the faces sometimes when I say some things, people go, it's great, all right, um, the next one is called gifts, gifts, uh, some women like, they're like cards or, you know, a car, you know, something, something nice, you know, you give them, give them something, Proverbs 14, one says a wise woman builds her home, a wise man will buy her one, uh, the next one is talking, uh, a lot of women like to talk, a lot of men don't get this, because we're like, Duct tape, hammer, let me fix it. You know, talking is about building relationships, and they really like that. Now, some women are like all of these. They really like them all. If that's your wife, good luck. That's all I'm saying. But you love her how she needs to be loved. And this can actually change throughout life, so you've got to keep paying attention and asking questions. I recommend you ask your wife two questions. The first one is this. What have I done that has made you feel the most loved? And then what have I done that has made you feel the most unloved? Now, you ask a guy this, it's like deer in the headlights. He's like, oh, no, she's got an answer in her mind. I'm supposed to say it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, and we don't know what to do with it. Okay? But you ask most women that question, eventually they can probably tell you. you know, Remember that time five years ago? You're like, oh, no. Yeah, well, the time five years ago, this is what you did. You write it down, and you do it because that means a lot to them. And there's a lot of guys, oh, I'm just a service guy. I'm working on the roof. You know, If you're a service guy, but your wife is a cuddler, get your butt off the roof and get in the house and cuddle with her because it's important. Verse 25. So husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, he lays his life down so the church can be blessed, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. This means that scripture has a cleansing effect. Scripture should be in a Christian marriage. It means men, you have a calling to read your Bibles, to read your Bibles. Christianity today is predominantly women. Uh, most Christian colleges are predominantly female. Most churches are predominantly female. Now, I am very glad that women love God and go to school. But I always wonder what happened to the young men. If you are in your 20s and you're a guy in this room, you're a miracle statistically that you're actually here, actually going to a church. What happens is most moms, they will drag their little boys to church until they graduate high school and then they leave and then they meet a woman, they get married, and the woman drags them back. That's kind of what happens. But Scripture says a husband should initiate church A husband should initiate small groups and Bible studies because he wants to learn so he can lead. You know, statistically speaking, uh, women who who go to church, if they have a family, there's about 10% of families that will follow that woman to a church. Men who go to a church, 90% of women and families will follow that man when they go somewhere. That's the difference. Men, men are called to lead in that way. I mean, marriage can get boring after 60 years, so you've got to find some stuff to do. You're like, you know, what would you do? Well, you know, I shaved and I went to work. Well, I can see because you're not as hairy and you are gone for a while. You know, it's like, what, what are you going to talk about? So you, you, you read scripture, you, you get involved in small groups and, and ministry, and now you have something to do and people to talk about sometimes too. You know, if the man is leading properly, the wife will feel more secure, especially if they're following closely with God. So that when they walk with you, they know that you are following Jesus because a good leader is simply a man behind Jesus. Now, is it wrong to have women's Bible studies? No. Is it wrong for women to get together? Not at all. Titus 2 says they actually should but it's sad when they have to go there because their husbands are knuckleheads and can't help them understand Scripture as well. I'm not saying, guys, you need to you know, know how to parcel the Hebrew and the Greek verbs and you know, sit down, woman, I'm home from work. Here is my Bible study. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you should be in, in a way that when your wife says, i got a question about this, you can go, okay, let's find the answer together. Let's go figure this out. Uh, unmarried guys, I would say you should be studying your Bible uh, because you will need to have answers for your wife one day. And you may go, well, is that fair? i got to do all the studying? Yes. And I'm a Calvinist, so I don't care about fair anyway, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> men, you should, men, you should have your Bibles open and let your wives see you read your Bibles. Verse 27, he says, And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Jesus pursues us. Jesus does not give up. He longs to make us holy and blameless. And a husband who is like Christ doesn't give up or give in when times get hard because he always has the goal that his wife becomes a holier woman. That's the goal. You know, a man's goal is not selfish. It is that his wife will honor God because her closeness with Jesus actually brings greater joy into a marriage. She becomes less judgmental. She becomes more loving because you're less judgmental and you are more loving. Verse 28 says, In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. This means that he who loves his wife loves himself. We don't understand this because our culture is so addicted to individualism. We even refer to unmarried people as single When in truth, no one's truly single if they're part of the family of God. No one's on their own. I mean, I'll tell you, honestly, I don't know half the time where I end and where my wife begins. That's the idea of one flesh. Genesis 2.24. Husband and his wife become one flesh. Just like God is one. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.4 is called the Shema, hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. That's the word echad. And it's actually the same word used when the husband and wife become one flesh. Echad, one flesh. The man and the woman are one flesh. Do you see guys yelling or punching or shoving themselves? No, it'd be stupid if it's not fight club. You know, it'd be stupid. The husband and the wife are one flesh. And as long as you see each other as individuals, you will function as enemies and not allies. You are one flesh. There is one of you. You are allies. You are together. The oneness of the relationship makes you in harm, live in harmony because you are one. Guys who are abusive or cheater, or looking at porn, they are fools who are punching themselves in the face. And they are complete with sin and folly and selfishness. Verse 29 says, After all, no one ever hated his own body. You eat, you put pants on, you don't sleep in the street. See, you care about you. But he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Here's another controversial statement for you this morning. A man should strive to provide for the needs of his spouse. It is actually ingrained into him as a guy. Does this mean a woman can't work? No. Does it mean a woman can't make money? No, not at all. But Proverbs 31 says, you know, a, a woman is great at real estate, has many investments on the side. But what it means is a husband should labor diligently to provide for his family. So a husband is not supposed to look at his wife and say, God gave me a hundred pound load. Your share is 75 pounds. It's not like a Dutch marriage. You know, your share is 75 pounds because she's got a load from God as well and maybe her load's like 75 pounds, and you just gave her 75 pounds of yours. She's carrying 150 pounds. You got 25 pounds, and you're complaining about it. I'll tell you, you do not want her load, because part of her load is having kids, okay? You, well, maybe you do. It's creepy, but, you know, you just, it, a husband should strive to provide for the needs of his spouse. Some people think that is so sexist for me to say. Husbands, provide for your families. Oh, it's so godless. He pays for stuff, you know, it's just, it, you know, honestly, if that is true I hope all of you marry sexists Who take very good care of you. you know, Destiny's Child used to have this song And it said I make my own money I got my own clothes You don't need to do, do anything for me And I thought That's because she married a lazy man <laughs> that's, that's why she's got to write that song Get a shovel bury that guy in the yard Is what you should do you know. So taking care of your wife Means that she is taken care of uh, I don't like to shop Usually, like Coles and Ross are like the Greek words for hell for me. Uh, but my <laughs> wife loves to shop for clothes, and sometimes I go shopping with her because I I love her. I tell you, I think it's always weird because she like try on stuff, and I and I wait for her. Why do they always put the dressing rooms right in the of lingerie section, right? So I'm just like the creepy dude in the chair in the lingerie section. Oh, you're gonna dress something on? What's up? You know, it's, it's just kind of creepy, right? Right. It's kind of funny. Before Christmas, uh, I, I, I was probably looking at toys or something. She's all oh, in the changing, so I finally go to the changing rooms, and she like starts texting me. And she wasn't even in the changing rooms where I was by the lingerie. So I was, That's even more creepy. It's like I gotta go now, ladies. See ya. You know, just oh, just just terrible. It's fake passing out. You know, someone's like, oh, you know, what's that dude over there for? Uh, you know, if you if you see a guy and a guy is dressed very nice, but his wife is dressed in rags, do you think oh he really loves her? No. Men, your wives are to get your best. Uh, my wife drives our new car. Uh, i got a 10-year-old truck breaks down all the time. My wife drives our new car. It's, it's bigger. I figure she gets in an accident or somebody hits her or she hits somebody else, she's still going to come home to me safely. So I want her to drive a, a, you know, a bigger car. Uh, she uses our Mac at home to do all of her schoolwork on. Uh, sometimes she will go shopping at like the antique store or garage sales. She'll come home with this really funky lawn art and be like, I want to hang this on the wall. And I'm like, ah! But you know what? I hang it on the wall. You know why? Because I love her. And when she's happy, I'm happy. That's how it works. As Jesus takes care of the church, husbands are to take care of their wives. A husband shouldn't roll up in a brand new car with all kinds of bling while his wife's in the alley, push starting the luck car with three kids in the back. You know, if that's what you realize, that guy doesn't love his wife. That is not Jesus. That's the devil. That's the devil. Your wife should look like someone loves her. I used to get really irritated uh, that my wife would spend 50 plus dollars on a haircut. I'm like, I can't believe you spend so much. But you know, seriously, I don't want her to look like me. So you know what? I'm okay with that. I cut my own hair. You can tell. I don't need her to look like me. She should look good. Now, I have toys and hobbies and stuff like that. But daily I come to realize that giving to her is a great honor. I am privileged because I have a wife. Today, we think feminism has made things so good. But I believe it has devalued women where men don't have to rise to a standard to marry one. You know, I, the feminist critique has always been, you know, men abuse women. True. I totally agree with that. But their answer is women should toughen up, be like men, you know. And that, my answer is no. You fix the men so a woman doesn't have to learn how to take a punch. You fix the man. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Yes. Yes, favor from the Lord. That is your wife. And husbands are like, you know, I give all the time. What do I get? You get her. You get her. She's softer than you. And she feels nice. You get her. So women, be lovely. Be lovely. Have sex with your men. Enjoy it. You know, smile. You know, I just love being with you. Guys, find a good wife. You know, if a man is like Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. Now, if you are not married, you're like, what does this have to do with me? I'll get you some stuff right now. If you're unmarried, here's how you get married. Yay! Okay, so Moses and Jesus and Paul all say this, so it's got to be important. Verse 31, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's a process. It's a process. The first one is leave. The man says to you, marry me. Ask him two questions. Do you love Jesus? And where are we going to live? If he says, at my mom's run away run away if he has not learned how to take care of himself how's he going to take care of you and kids son dinner's ready your laundry's done you're going to be mommy that's what you're going to be it may seem appealing at first but one day you're going to have kids you're not going to want to be his mommy and your kids mommy getting married doesn't make a man but I believe it can be a benefit Okay, I do believe it can be a benefit Uh, men should know how to put their pants on and go to work marriage for most guys is like plugging them into an amplifier whatever they are just gets louder They just get louder. You marry a lazy bum, he's going to be a bigger lazy bum when you get married. You get two to three kids, that's a huge problem. A huge problem. Marriage is for men. It It is not for boys. Guys should find a place to live, have their own church, their own theological convictions. Secondly, united to his wife, that is marriage. And third, one flesh, that is sex. That is sex. The problem is guys are looking for shortcuts. They don't want to grow up and get married, but they want to have sex. So they look at a woman and they say, oh, I love you. And a woman says, wow, if you love me, I'll act like a wife even knowing that he has no intention of acting like a husband. Ladies, you need to look at that guy and you need to say, you don't love me like Jesus loves me. You don't love me enough to grow and provide and commit to me. That makes you a liar. Like Princess Bride. Look at him and go, liar! That's what you say. The process is important because everybody in our day is sleeping together. Every person, statistically, that you sleep with before you get married, including your future spouse, increases your odds of divorce because there's no such thing as practice marriage. You either get married or you're not. And God wants to be people who grow up and get married and enjoy our spouses. Uh, If you are unmarried, I will tell you this. You need to be clear with the person you decide to marry about issues of kids, manhood, womanhood, Christianity, your religious faith, because you do not want to spend your days in your marriage arguing over things that should be simple. This is why I usually warn non-Christians not to date or marry Christians, because Christians are crazy. And what Christians will typically do if they're dating non-Christians, they'll get rid of all their standards, and they'll date this person, and then they'll get married, and all of a sudden, all the standards all come back. It's like, oh, now i got all my standards. And then the person, the non-Christian, is like, what in the world just happened? Who did I marry? And they're like, you don't go to church with me. You need to love Jesus. And I'm like, Holy God, I, seriously, personal, I actually have a, a, a couple, and there's a, there's a lady who did this, and we talked about this. And she goes, you ever have a couple who needs someone to come and cry in front of them, call me. She goes, because this is exactly what she did. You need to be upfront and honest about who you are. If you're a Christian, keep your standards. And I will tell you, if you're a non-Christian, you're dating a Christian, you know, they're not being fair to you. They're not. In verse 32, it says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Paul's like, I'm talking about Jesus. How a husband should love their wife is how Christ loves the church. The church should be there as an example. Whoever reaches one of you must also love his wife, and a wife must respect her husband. I think that means even if you're not married, you love her now. I prayed for my wife before I ever met her, that God would keep her safe and kill other men who wanted to touch her. (laughs) It's a good prayer. And and if you're wasting your money or going into debt or looking at porn, that's not living for her, even if you have not even met her yet. So you'd be in covenant with her. You love her before you even meet her. Start a wedding ring fund or a college fund for your kids, even before you meet your spouse. You prepare yourself so one day you can say, I've been loving you, nice to meet you. Don't do that on the first date, because that would just be really weird. But after you get to know them a little bit, you say, I've been praying for you, here's money for your ring, college fund, a house down payment. She will never have to wonder if you love her. I wish someone would have drilled this into me before I got married, because I wouldn't have had to grow up so much while being married. Uh, And maybe you say, well, you know, my wife just isn't that lovely. If she was lovely, then you know what? You're to love her until she is lovely. You don't get bitter. You don't treat her like garbage. Now, ladies, what can you do to make the man's job a little easier? You can be lovely. You can be lovely. I'll tell you, my wife is like gravity for me. I am always pulled towards her. I love being around her. I think she is great. Uh, She loves me. She loves Jesus. She is faithful. She's hardworking. She's discerning, much more so than I am. (laughs) Uh, She is wise, and I think she is sexy. Sexy, okay? And now I say that, and you're all, oh, he really loves his wife. I don't say that to make you say that. I say that because that's how every guy should feel about his wife. Okay? Your wife is the standard of beauty for you, whatever your wife looks like. I mean, I don't care if your wife has three toes and spits when she talks. By God, that is sexy for you. You go with it. Your wife is your standard of beauty, period, period. And again, women, you know, you can be lovely. That makes it easier for men to love you. Paul says, and a wife must respect her husband. Yes, most men, do you want to be loved or respected? Most men will say, respected. Respected. Because it's ingrained into us. And we see all kinds of women loving all kinds of men who are disrespectful and, don't, and shouldn't deserve love. Now, Titus 2 says you should love your men, but you should also respect him because your children will probably be like him. And if you don't want photocopies of that dude walking around, you shouldn't marry him. Now, what can a wife do to be lovely? Guys, you can thank me for this later because these are not things you want to say at home with your wife, but I'll say it so they can be mad at me and and not you. Okay, so what can a wife do to be lovely? Don't nag him. Don't nag him. You know why men don't nag each other? Because one of us would have to die. That's why men don't (laughs) nag each other. All right? It kills us. Guys hate it. And the second thing is don't be quarrelsome. This doesn't mean you can't disagree, but it means you're not always trying to pick a fight with the guy. You know, because if you do, the man can't win. If he takes it, he's a coward. If he fights back, he's a jerk. He can't win. And so men leave emotionally, if not physically. Sometimes it's both. Then all of a sudden the love you're supposed to get gets cut off, and he doesn't get respect, and you have this bitterness of a foul marriage. Ladies, here's a secret for you, okay? Most men feel like little boys deep down inside. And the respect of our wives matters greatly to us. And if you do not show him respect, you will kill him. Uh, if, if a guy's wife doesn't respect him, like I said, it, it destroys us because you know us better than anybody else. And if you don't respect us, again, it kills us. We feel defeated. And just like he is to love you till you're lovely, you should respect him till he is respectable. And if not, it will go on and on and on till you hit divorce, irreconcilable differences, and that's a little bull because they are reconcilable. Someone needs to swallow their pride and offer some love or some respect consistently. Consistently. I'll tell you, men will borrow the confidence of their wives in them. If you tell your husband how great he is, he will start to think he's great despite all the evidence. Okay? Uh, You can tell him things like, you know, oh, you know, you're not fat, you're stocky. He's like, oh, I must be stocky. He will believe you. He totally will. You're not dumb, you're creative. Oh, I'm artsy. You know, this is, this is wonderful. I tell you, if, if a lady can't open a jar and brings it to her husband, and he does, he feels like a Greek god. It's like, La. you know, and he walks in the room with his head this big going, yes, I opened the jar. Sometimes you should just, like, open it and then close it again and go, hey, can you open this for me? You know, and then it's like, because then he feels really good about it. Um, When I was putting this together, it's kind of weird how these things work out all the time. Maybe I was more aware of it, but I was getting gas at the gas station. There's a lady getting gas in front of me, and she's on the phone with her husband. She's like, and you got it, and you got it, and you better, and I'm just like, and so my wife and I, I can't remember what it was. We had to go somewhere, so I pick her up, and she's like, let's just swing by the store, run in and grab this thing so we can go, and so we go by the store, and you know, do the thing where you drop her off out front, and then you circle the parking lot, you know, and you so i'm pulling up and i'm sitting right in front waiting for her she's like i'm in the checkout line. you know texting me because you do that when you drive now so you know i'm sitting there and I'm waiting for her right out front and there's a lady in front of me like with her shopping cart on the phone going to her husband and you got up and i went this is so going to preach this is wonderful so let me ask you a question with those two things do you think those husbands are excited to go home do you think they're like oh my goodness i just can't wait to get home to that or do you think maybe they're like, oh, I'm going to hang out at work a little bit longer. Oh, I'm going to find something else to do. Maybe they start drinking. You know, they, they don't fear hell because they live there. You know, it's that, that kind of thing. Okay, so guys, ladies, you can thank me for this later. Can you make her job easier by being respectable? Of course you can. You give her something to talk about. You love her how she needs to be loved. You go out of her way to make her feel special. Oh, my husband is kind. My husband is loving. My husband does this. My husband does that. You don't make the only thing she can say about you is that you walk upright unlike other animals. That's not the only thing she'll be able to say. You love her, you give her something. It is like gravity. Lovely women are easier to love, respectable men are easier to respect. So you be lovely, you be respectable. See how practical the last three chapters of Ephesians is? It's amazing. And and I believe that that this all goes back like Paul says to Jesus because and it starts again with theology of who God is because when we understand who Jesus is, Jesus is easy to worship. Jesus is like gravity; we are pulled towards him because he calls us to be his people and to love as he loves. And when we look more like him, our marriages become amazing. So I'm going to ask you to do two things for me this morning. The first one is this. we come to communion and communion you break that cracker and reminds us of his blood that was, his body that was broken for us you dip it in the wine of the grape juice reminds us of his blood that was shed for us so that we can be uh, restored and redeemed and be his people to truly walk in love like he calls us to as we take communion this morning I would ask that you take it as a family uh, if your kids are with you you do it with your kids and, and, your, and your spouse if it's just you and your spouse you get up and you do it with your spouse but take communion as a family this morning uh, the second thing we're going to worship God. We're going to worship God through song. The band's going to come up, and as we do these songs, take a few moments. You know, wait till the line dwindles down a little bit, so you can go and take communion. Not stand there like, Ooh, this is so fun standing in line, like we're at Disneyland. But you wait, you know, and then get up and pray and take communion and, and sing some songs that help refocus us back towards who God is. We're going to worship God through giving there's offering boxes on the sidewall and in the very back and we give because God gave so much to us and giving is part of our worship so we give you the opportunity to do that every week we're going to worship God through fellowship so there's food and coffee and stuff in the back uh, get to know some other people and the second thing that I want you to do this morning is this if if you are uh, married or you are engaged I want you to stand up because I'm going to pray for you this morning all right Now, everybody who's not standing up, you're the single people. So take a look around. You're welcome. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being a good God who loves us. I ask that you would take us as people and help us not to see ourselves as individuals, but part of your family. And then in marriages, God, I ask that you would take us and help us to realize that we are one flesh. And we are not individuals fighting for our rights, but we are one flesh striving to honor our great and good God. Father, for the men in this room, I ask that they would take that headship seriously. That they would long to lead and provide and give and love till their wives are lovely. And that we as men would be respectable. So, our wives can look at us and be proud that they are married to us because of how we love them, reflecting how you love us. I ask for the women in this room who are getting married or who are married that they would learn how to be lovely wives who treat their husbands with respect, even when they're not respectable, and that you would change those men into being respectable because of the love and the respect of those wives God it seems like marriage in our, in our culture is one of the toughest things to understand because everyone wants to push us to seeing ourselves as individuals and making sure we get what we need and, but you call us to be people who are always making sure other people get what they need and our marriages have us live that way God, for those who aren't married uh, in this room right now, I ask that you would touch them, give them the, the peace of your presence so they know that they are never alone, and that when or if you do bring the people into their lives, you have for them, that you would make them lovely and respectable. I ask that you would help us to remember, to pray for future spouses, that you would keep them safe, that you would teach them how to love you and that you would kill people who want to touch them (laughs) in inappropriate ways. God, thanks for being our good God who seeks to redeem us, who loves us and pursues us. Have us be a people who pursue the lost, who pursue our spouses and pursue our friends, so that you as our great God is loved and honored in all that we do. Thank you for creating an institution called marriage and having it reflect so strongly your church and your love for us. Amen.